Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company in our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mystery the God in the Bowl by Robert E. Howard Read by Perry F. Bruns Part 1 Aris the Watchman grasped his crossbow with shaky hands, and he felt beads of clammy perspiration on his skin as he stared at the unlovely corpse sprawling on the polished floor before him. It is not pleasant to come upon death in a lonely place at midnight. Aris stood in a vast corridor, lighted by huge candles in niches along the walls. These walls were hung with black velvet tapestries, and between the tapestries hung shields and crossed weapons of fantastic make. Here and there, too, stood figures of curious gods, Images carved of stone or rare wood, or cast of bronze, iron, or silver. 
mirrored in the gleaming black mahogany floor. Arus shuddered. He had never become used to the place, although he had worked there as watchman for some months. It was a fantastic establishment. The great museum and antique house which men called Callian Publico's Temple, with its rarities from all over the world. And now, in the lonesomeness of midnight, Arus stood in the great silent hall and stared at the sprawling corpse that had been the rich and powerful owner of the temple. It entered even the dull brain of the watchman, that the man looked strangely different now than when he rode along the Palian Way in his golden chariot, arrogant and dominant, with his dark eyes glinting with magnetic vitality. Men who had hated and feared Callian Publico would scarcely have recognized him now as he lay like a disintegrated ton of fat, his rich robe half torn from him, and his purple tunic awry. His face was blackened, his eyes almost starting from his head, and his tongue lolled blackly from his gaping mouth. His fat hands were thrown out as in a gesture of curious futility. On the thick fingers, gems glittered. "'Why didn't they take his rings?' muttered the watchman uneasily. Then he started and glared, the short hairs prickling at the nape of his neck. Through the dark silken hangings that masked one of the many doorways opening into the hallway came a figure— Arus saw a tall, powerfully built youth, naked but for a loincloth, and sandals strapped high about his ankles. His skin was burned brown as by the suns of the wastelands, and Arus glanced nervously at the broad shoulders, massive chest, and heavy arms. A single look at the moody, broad-browed features told the watchman that the man was no Nemedian. From under a mop of unruly black hair smoldered a pair of dangerous blue eyes. A long sword hung in a leather scabbard at his girdle. Arus felt his skin crawl, and he fingered his crossbow tensely, of half a mind to drive a bolt through the stranger's body without parley, yet fearful of what might happen if he failed to inflict death at the first shot. The stranger looked at the body on the floor more in curiosity than surprise. "'Why did you kill him?' asked Aris nervously. The other shook his tousled head. "'I didn't kill him,' he answered, speaking the median with a barbaric accent. "'Who is he?' "'Kalian Publico,' replied Aris, edging back. A flicker of interest showed in the moody blue eyes— the owner of the house? I. Arus had edged his way to the wall, and now he took hold of a thick velvet rope which swung there, and jerked it violently. From the street outside sounded the strident clang of the bell that hung before all shops and establishments to summon the watch. The stranger started. Why did you do that? he asked. It will fetch the watchman. I am the watchman, knave, answered Aris, bracing his rocking courage. Stand where you are. Don't move, or I'll loose a bolt through you. 
His finger was on the trigger of his arbalest. The wicked square head of the quarrel leveled full on the other's broad breast. The stranger scowled, and his dark face was lowering. He showed no fear, but seemed to be hesitating in his mind as to whether he should obey the command or chance a sudden break of some kind. Arus licked his lips, and his blood turned cold as he plainly saw indecision struggle with a murderous intent in the foreigner's cloudy eyes. Then he heard a door crash open and a medley of voices, and he drew a deep breath of amazed thankfulness. The stranger tensed and glared worriedly, like a startled hunting beast, as half a dozen men entered the hall. All but one wore the scarlet tunic of the Numalian police, were girt with stabbing swords and carried bills, long-shafted weapons, half pike, half axe. "'What devil's work is this?' exclaimed the foremost man, whose cold gray eyes and lean, keen features, no less than his civilian garments, set him apart from his burly companions." "'By Mitra, Demetrio!' exclaimed Aris thankfully. "'Fortune is assuredly with me tonight. "'I had no hope that the watch would answer the summons so swiftly, "'or that you would be with them.' "'I was making the rounds with Dionys,' answered Demetrio. "'We were just passing the temple when the watch-bell clanged. "'But who is this?' "'Mitra! The master of the temple himself!' "'No other,' replied Aris and foully murdered. It is my duty to walk about the building steadily all night, because, as you know, there is an immense amount of wealth stored here. Kalian Publico had rich patrons, scholars, princes, and wealthy collectors of rarities. Well, only a few minutes ago I tried the door which opens on the portico, and found it to be only bolted. The door is provided with a bolt which works both from within or without, and a great lock which can be worked only from without. Only Callian Publico had a key to that, the key which you see now hanging at his girdle. Naturally, my suspicions were roused, for Callian Publico always locks the door with the great lock when he closes the temple, and I had not seen him return since he left earlier in the evening for his villa in the eastern suburbs of the city. I have a key that works the bolt, I entered it and found the body lying as you see. I have not touched it. So, Demetrio's keen eyes swept the somber stranger. And who is this? The murderer, without doubt, cried Aris. He came from that door yonder. He is a northern barbarian of some sort, a Hyperborean or a Bosonian, perhaps. Who are you? asked Demetrio. I am Conan answered the barbarian. I am a Sumerian. Did you kill this man? The Sumerian shook his head. Answer me, snapped the questioner. An angry glint rose in the moody blue eyes. I am no dog, he replied resentfully. Oh, an insolent fellow, sneered Demetrio's companion a big man wearing the insignia of prefect of police. An independent cur, one of those citizens with rights, eh? I'll soon knock it out of him. Here, you, 
Come clean. Why did you murder— Just a moment, Dionys, ordered Demetrio curtly. Fellow, I am chief of the Inquisitorial Council of the city of Numalia. You had best tell me why you are here, and if you are not the murderer, prove it. The Sumerian hesitated. He was not afraid, but slightly bewildered, as a barbarian always is when confronted by the evidence of civilized networks and systems, the workings of which are so baffling and mysterious to him. While he's thinking it over, rapped Demetrio, turning to Aris, tell me, did you see Kalian Publico leave the temple this evening? No, he's usually gone when I arrive to begin my sentry go. But the great door was bolted and locked. Could he have entered the building again without your having seen him? Why, it's possible, but hardly probable. The temple is large, and I walk clear around it in a few minutes. If he had returned from his villa, he would of course have come in his chariot, for it is a long way, and who ever heard of Callian Publico traveling otherwise? Even if I had been on the other side of the temple, I'd have heard the wheels of the chariot on the cobblestones, and I've heard no such thing, nor seen any chariots, except those which always pass along the streets just at dusk. And the door was locked earlier in the night? I'll swear to it. I try all doors several times during the night. The door was locked on the outside until perhaps half an hour ago. That was the last time I tried it until I found it unlocked. You heard no cries or struggles? No, but that's not strange. The walls of the temple are so thick they're practically soundproof, an effect increased by the heavy hangings. Why go to all this trouble of questions and speculations? complained the burly prefect. It's much easier to beat a confession out of a suspect. Here's our man, no doubt about it. Let's take him to the court of justice. I'll get a statement if I have to smash his bones to pulp. Demetrio looked at the barbarian. You understand what he said? asked the inquisitor. What have you to say? That any man who touches me will quickly be greeting his ancestors in hell. The Sumerian ground between his powerful teeth, his eyes glinting quick flames of dangerous anger. Why did you come here if not to kill this man? pursued Demetrio. I came to steal, sullenly answered the other. To steal what? rapped the Inquisitor. Food, the reply came after an instant's hesitation. That's a lie, snapped Demetrio. You knew there was no food here. Don't lie to me. Tell me the truth, or— The Sumerian laid his hand on his sword-hilt, and the gesture was as fraught with menace as the lifting of a tiger's lip to bare his fangs. Save your bullying for the fools who fear you, he growled, blue fires smoldering in his eyes. I'm no city-bred Nemedian to cringe before your hired dogs. I've killed better men than you for less than this. Dionys, who had opened his mouth to bellow in wrath, closed it suddenly. The watchmen shifted their bills uncertainly and glanced at Demetrio for orders. They were struck speechless at hearing the all-powerful police thus bearded and expected a command to seize the barbarian. But Demetrio did not give it, 
He knew, if the others were too stupid to know, the steel trap muscles and blinding quickness of men raised beyond civilization's frontiers where life was a continual battle for existence. And he had no desire to loose the barbaric frenzy of the Cimmerian if it could be avoided. Besides, there was a doubt in his mind. I have not accused you of killing Callion, he snapped. But you must admit the appearances are against you. How did you enter the temple? I hid in the shadows of the warehouse which stands behind this building, Conan answered grudgingly. When this dog, jerking a thumb at Aris, passed by and rounded the corner, I ran quickly to the wall and scaled it. A lie, broke in Aris. No man could climb that straight wall. Did you ever see a Cimmerian scale a sheer cliff? asked Demetrio impatiently. I am conducting this investigation. Go on, Conan. The corner is decorated with carvings, said the Cimmerian. It was easy to climb. I gained the roof before this dog came around the building again. I went across the roof until I came upon a trapdoor which was fastened with an iron bolt that went through it and was locked on the inside. I was forced to hew the bolt in twain with my sword. Aris, remembering the thickness of that bolt, gulped involuntarily and moved further back from the barbarian, who scowled abstractedly at him, and continued. I feared the noise might wake somebody, but it was a chance I had to take. I passed through the trapdoor and came into an upper chamber. I didn't pause there, but came straight away to the stair. How did you know where the stair was? snapped the Inquisitor. I know that only Callian's servants and his rich patrons were ever allowed in those upper rooms. A dogged stubbornness shadowed Conan's eyes, and he remained silent. What did you do after you reached the stair? demanded Demetrio. I came straight down it muttered the Cimmerian. It let into the chamber beyond yonder curtained door. As I came down the stairs, I heard the noise of a door being opened. When I looked through the hangings, I saw this dog standing over the dead man. Why did you come from your hiding place? It was dark when I saw the watchman outside the temple. When I saw him here, I thought he was a thief too. It was not until he jerked the watchbell rope and lifted his bow that I knew he was the watchman. But even so, persisted the Inquisitor, why did you reveal yourself? I thought perhaps he had come to steal what... The Cimmerian checked himself suddenly as if he had said too much. What you had come after yourself, finished Demetrio. You have told me more than you intended. You came here with a definite purpose. You did not, by your own admission, tarry in the upper rooms, where the richest goods are generally stored. You knew the plan of the building. You were sent here by someone who knows the temple well to steal some special thing. And to kill Callian Publico, exclaimed Dionys. By Mitra, we've hit it. Grab him, men. We'll have a confession before morning. With a heathen curse, Conan leaped back whipping out his sword with a viciousness that made the keen blade hum. Back if you value your dog lives, 
he snarled, his blue eyes blazing. Because you dare to torture shopkeepers and strip and beat harlots to make them talk. Don't think you can lay your fat paws on a hillman. I'll take some of you to hell with me. Fumble with your bow, watchman. I'll burst your guts with my heel before this night's work is over. Wait, interposed Demetrio. Call your dogs off, Dionys. I'm not convinced that he is the murderer. You fool, he added in a whisper. Wait until we can summon more men, or trick him into laying down his sword. Demetrio did not wish to forgo the advantage of his civilized mind by allowing matters to change to a physical basis, where the wild beast ferocity of the barbarian might even balance the odds against him. Very well, grunted Dionys grudgingly. Fall back, men, but keep an eye on him. Give me your sword, said Demetrio. Take it if you can, snarled Conan. Demetrio shrugged his shoulders. Very well, but don't try to escape. Four men with crossbows watch the house on the outside. We always throw a cordon about a house before we enter it. The barbarian lowered his blade, though he only slightly relaxed the tense watchfulness of his attitude. Demetrio turned again to the corpse. Strangled, he muttered. Why strangle him when a sword stroke is so much quicker and surer? These Sumerians are a bloody race, born with a sword in their hand, as it were. I never heard of them killing a man in this manner. Perhaps to divert suspicion, muttered Dionys. Possibly. He felt the body with experienced hands. Dead possibly half an hour, he muttered. If Conan tells the truth about when he entered the temple, he would hardly have had time to commit the murder before Aris entered. But he may be lying. He might have broken in earlier. I climbed the wall after Aris made the last round, Conan growled. So you say. Demetrio brooded for a space over the dead man's throat, which had been literally crushed to a pulp of purplish flesh. The head sagged awry on splintered vertebrae. Demetrio shook his head in doubt. Why should a murderer use a pliant cable apparently thicker than a man's arm? he muttered. And what terrible constriction was applied to so crush the man's heavy neck? He rose and walked to the nearest door opening into the corridor. Here is a bust knocked from a stand near the door, he said and here the polished floor is scratched and the hangings in the doorway are pulled awry, as if a clutching hand had grasped them, perhaps for support. Kalian Pubico must have been attacked in that room. Perhaps he broke away from the assailant, or dragged the fellow with him as he fled. Anyway, he ran staggeringly out into the corridor where the murderer must have followed and finished him. And if this heathen isn't the murderer, where is he? demanded the prefect. I haven't exonerated the Sumerian yet, snapped the inquisitor. But we'll investigate that room and... He halted and wheeled, listening. That's the end of part one of The God in the Bowl by Robert E. Howard. Join us next time as we find out how it all ends. You've been listening to Calm Mystery part of the American Immersion Theater and Murder Mystery Company Network.
Why not like and subscribe to our podcast and tell us how you feel about it on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to tell all your friends and enemies about us. Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own murder mystery party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.